welcome to another Surrender Podcast. I My name is Jason. I am your host. We are talking about mission this week. And one of the things, uh, there's a couple things I want to keep in mind this week when we, as we talk about mission. And a couple, one's more of an activity and one's more of a que- couple of questions. Um, so the questions I want us to think about this week and write these down somewhere so you can remember them. Um, because maybe not just this week, but for a while. Um, but what are some of the barriers barriers that you have right now in your life that are preventing you from following God's calling and the second question I want you guys to think about is how are you going to overcome them and that's one of the things we're going to talk about this week Um, and the activity is going to be sharing your story sharing your faith journey your testimony and even if you shared it before I actually challenge you to write it down Um, because writing it down shows you areas that you may not have known where God was at in your life and that's one of the things that I've had to learn how to do, and it's an amazing experience. So we're going to work on those two things this week. And I don't know if we're going to so much talk about uh, use scripture like we normally do. Maybe I'll get into it. Um, but really what I want us to think about this week is is your story, your barriers, Um and how you're going to overcome them. And I'll tell you guys my story. We'll go over the barriers that I had in my life growing up. And then go from there. So we're going to start out with a prayer. And kind of talk about it for a minute. But the third part of this prayer. This this kind of third. I think called pillar of the church really is. Mission. And it's. I choose to hold my hands forward as a symbol of mission. I want to live a life that. I want to live for something greater than me. I want to embrace your kingdom mission. I want to embrace and welcome your mission. The lost, last, least, and lonely. To the poor, powerless, privileged, and persecuted. Now this part of the prayer is a little bit different than the other ones. in the fact that it's still giving God the ultimate control, right? It's still giving Him the ability or still giving him the credit in the acknowledgement that we are here for his mission we're we're trying as a church we are here to complete the mission of god which is this bring people back to him we're supposed to be embracing his mission but when we look at it it's the last two lines of this part of the prayer that really gets me and those are Ones that are to the lost, the last, the least, the lonely, to the poor, the powerless, privileged, and persecuted. And usually when we think about the mission of the church and who we're supposed to take care of, we talk about the poor, the downtrodden, the widow, the orphan. But we don't usually talk about the privileged. And I think as our job, our mission part of our mission as the church is yes it's supposed to take care of those that can't help themselves but we have to look at those that are in power that are in privileged positions too and help them and help encourage them to use their position that god has put them in to embrace change and help complete that mission that god's placed before us right and that's not always easy to look at somebody who's in a power, a privileged position. Like, well, they should just do it. And that's not always what happens. Because we all have a, a position at times where we're in a privileged position. But what are we using that privilege for? Are we using it for our own personal gain? 
or are we using it to glorify God? And that's really what goes on here in this idea of mission. So one of the challenges, or one of the things I want you guys to do, that I mentioned in the beginning, was write down your story. Write down your testimony, your faith journey, and start from as far back as you can. And I did this when I was attending Grace Christian. It was one of those things that we did almost every semester for the probably my first three, or I was only there for three and a half years, but for my freshman and my junior year. And the story doesn't change. Um, but what it does is it shows, is every time you write it down, you see a new spot in your life where God was, God was present and even probably didn't even realize he was there. And so for me, a little bit about my, my story is I didn't grow up going to church. My family wasn't churchgoers at all. Um, <clears throat> I lived in a very abusive household, very abusive situation, both mentally and physically. My stepdad was an alcoholic. My mom had divorced my real dad, and we'd moved by the time I was five. Um, my mom turned to drugs, and she was mentally abusive because she was being physically abused by my dad. I was the oldest. I was constantly reminded that I ruined her life. Um... And I didn't see a lot of bright spots growing up. But as I wrote my story down, I started to see a pattern. And that was, God was specifically putting people in my life to remind me he was there. And even though I didn't see it at the time, when I wrote my story down, I saw it. And one of the best influences I had growing up was my friend Willie, his grandma. We'd go over to his house. And she would read us the Bible. She'd read us Bible stories. And they weren't stories. She'd read us right from the Bible. And I still remember one day we were over there listening to the story. And Willie and a couple of our friends are like, ha ha, look at Jason's crying. And she says, because Jesus is in his heart. I didn't realize then that God was present that day. God was showing me he was present that day. And spent, I, in fact, I spent most of my life growing up um, trying to stay away from the church and God because I didn't have good experiences with it. Um, and I didn't see how a God that was supposed to be loving would allow a, anybody to go through the stuff that I was going through. Um, and... Even my best friend at 16 committed suicide over a girl. And uh, even then, I didn't see how a God who was loving, and he, him and his family went to church, would allow somebody who was faithful to him to get to a point where he would take his own life. Um, so I moved up to, up to Grand Rapids and lived with my real dad for a little bit, and it didn't work out. Um... And then I moved in with a family that took me in that are like my adopted family. And they took me to church one day. I was like, okay, I get it. I did the baptism thing. And I don't think I truly, truly believed at that point. Even then. Um, 
and that's okay. But they showed me that people, there's still good people, and God put those people in my life to show me there's still good, kind, caring people in this world. And then I met my wife, who was a churchgoer. And I still didn't attend. We went to one church once, and I was like, nope, he's, he's not teaching stuff, he's preaching, and I don't like being preached at. Never have. Well, it was a while. You know, we ended up at a church plant where God really took hold of me. God really said, okay, you're here. I'm going to use you whether you're ready or not. Um, and when I still remember one day our audio guy just didn't show up. So I had to teach myself how to run a soundboard. And it was all analog. Um, and I eventually got baptized there, reaffirmed my faith there. Um, and it's been different since because before I did the baptism, I was listening to the music and Crowder's Come As You Are came on and it played over and over. It seemed like every time I turned the radio on, the song was on. I was like, okay, God, I get it. I get it. You want me just the way I am. Broken, beat up. That's fine. Scarred. War wounds. Right? God wants us like that. And when I think of the people that he put in my life at those times, man, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing that God would put people in my life at those times. And every time I write my story down, I find new things where God was there. And it's absolutely amazing. And as I was getting ready to write, as I was getting ready to do this podcast, I was thinking of characters in the Bible that had barriers. And I thought of Moses when God calls him in Exodus 3 to go free the Israelites from the Egyptians. <clears throat> and Moses gives him, you know, it's like, hey, they're not going to believe me. I need more than just words. So God gives him the staff that he can turn into a snake that is, is a sign for Pharaoh. And Moses says, well, I'm slow of speech. You know, Moses stuttered and and. So God gives him Aaron to be his voice and he does other things for him and is with him. And and really, when you think about barriers that are put in place, God will do everything he can to rip down those barriers if you let him. You know, for me, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I was at one point, I was doing... I was working at Staples, burning their tech department at one of the stores, and it was an okay job. You know, I could pay, good, decent benefits. Um, and one day we walked into Family Christian, and I told my wife, I said, I need to be working here. No, if she owns their butts, this is where I need to be working. And we weren't sure of how that was going to work, because we were just getting ready to adopt our son. And we really could afford for me to go back down to a part-time job that was going to be very limited in hours. So I called up that store manager that day, and I was like, hey, as like, I spent some time praying about it. Like, I I would love to be, I need to be working there, but I can't afford to take a step back and pay in hours. And, you know, we we just got done with this adoption process, and 
God used that moment to open a door that I had to be willing to walk through. And it was simple. It was the store manager at that time telling me her and the assistant store manager were stepping down. And she hooked me up. She hooked me up with a number for our district manager, who was new at the time. We interviewed, and I ended up being an assistant store manager right up until the day they closed. I was like, well, great. Now what am I going to do? Well, I ended up going back to school for youth ministry of all things. And this is where writing your story down will help. It'll help you find God's calling to in your life. Because what I didn't know then was that God God was going to take all the junk that happened to me in my life, all the crap that I dealt with, and it was prepping me so I could help others go that are dealing with that same stuff. So what I ended up doing was finding a school that I wanted to originally go to for worship arts and ended up becoming it, going for youth ministry. And when I told my wife I was going to school for youth ministry, she was like, uh, okay. She was a little shocked. Um, and it was tough. It was hard. There was still trials and obstacles, and I'm not saying that God's going to ever fully remove those because he's not. Jesus tells us you will have trials and tribulations and obstacles in your life and challenges. It's how we react to those. It's how we overcome those barriers, those obstacles. That is really shows people what the mission of the church is. Because you have to have people around you to do the mission, right? So when you write your story, think about who is... Who are you doing mission with? Who is in your life that's doing mission? For me, I have my wife. I have fellow officers in the Salvation Army. And, you know, me and my wife are taking the next step in ours and becoming officers for the Salvation Army. Where we move in August to do two more years of schooling for me. And two years when she's been out for a while. And now she's got to learn how to write sermons and study the Bible. And she's not going to get the in-depth training that I had. So now I have to help her remove one of those barriers. And it's not always easy to do. So there are always people in your life that God is going to put in to help you through this. Moses had Aaron to help. Aaron was there to speak for him, right? Job had his three friends. Um, to kind of help him think through what was going on, right? And Jesus and the disciples, you know, Jesus had his disciples, right? Um, to kind of help out where he was teaching them, right? He was removing barriers because the disciples were not, they were fishermen. They were just everyday people. They weren't considered... I don't want to say smart enough, but they weren't considered right to go learn to become teachers of the law, to teachers of the Torah back. That's not what they were. They weren't considered that. So Jesus taught them. He taught them a different way. Um, Paul, Paul was a man of privilege, right? He was a Pharisee. Like his job was to find 
and arrest and kill the followers of Jesus. And instead, God took that seat of privilege of an educated man who could freely move about Rome and turned it into turned him into the man who is supposed to spread the gospel message to the Gentiles. And really, Paul's the first person who gets told, your mission is to spread the me my message to the Gentiles. So when we think about privilege, we all have a seat of privilege. We all have a portion of our lives where we have a little bit of privilege. We all have barriers in our lives that we go through. But I really want us to think about what are we doing with those barriers? How are we overcoming those barriers? Who are we doing mission with? Right? Because Paul had Timothy for a while. Like, we all have people in our lives that we're going to be doing some sort of mission with. When we think about those that are, you know, on the prayer, it says the lonely. Are we taking time to get to know that person who, if you go to church, that sits in the back of the congregation alone and they may get there before everybody else and they may leave before everybody else. They don't really talk to anybody. Are we taking kind time to get to know them? Or are we just sitting back going, man, that's a weird, they're weird. Like they don't talk to anybody. They, they come early. They leave before everybody else. They must not want, they must just want to be alone. But are we taking that time to get to know that person? Are we taking time to get to know the teens in our church? Because teens today deal with so much more than even I did at their age growing up. Or are we just sitting back going, well, there's a youth pastor, he can do it. But, you know, as a youth pastor, we only get so much time with the kids. You know, I see a couple of my students more more throughout the week because they're helping out with certain aspects in the church now. But before that, we'd see them for maybe an hour, two hours a week. Who's pouring into their lives? Who's pouring into their lives to the person that sits behind by themselves at church? Who's pouring in lives to the the that might come once a week? Who's pouring into the lives of that homeless person that sits on the corner begging for money so he can do whatever he's going to do with it. What are we doing as the church to fulfill the mission of God? What are we doing as the church, as human beings who are supposed to be helping each other, what are we doing to help each other overcome these barriers? What are we doing to show God's love? in our world how are we helping those that feel persecuted right now overcome that feeling of persecution you know over the last year we saw riots break out over police brutality and rightly so but what are we doing to help bridge that gap you know one of the cool things my school did was they brought in local officers and we asked them what can the church, what can the community help do to bridge the gap? How can we help the conversation and help heal the community 
And one of the things they said was it would be great if the church could start helping the homeless again. Because what I've been hearing is a lot of police officers feel that their jobs are stretched too thin. They have too many things to do. They're taking care of all of us plus the homeless and making sure they're taken care of and they're safe and making sure they're getting to shelters. But what is the church doing to step up to fill these some of these gaps to take some pressure off? You know, that's the poor, the powerless, right? The persecuted. What are we doing to to help take the edge off of everybody? What are we doing to help with police brutality? How can the church do that? Well, we can pray. We can start the conversation. We can hold conversations in our churches. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and I want us to think about what your story is and what barriers you are and how you're going to overcome those and what you're going to do to overcome those and how you're going to take that first step because the first step is always the scariest. So I'm going to pray for us right now. Father God, thank you for the listeners. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about you and your story. And thank you for the gifts you give us to overcome our barriers. In your name, amen.